Blog Talk Radio. King Wave Fox Beer Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red, Peter's cat, Kim Pack's hat, you has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are the world is weary, you can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series, we're coming to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Friday's Eve, which means we are live. It's Thursday night. It's Trek talking time. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and that's my dog, Emma, barking in the backyard. This is live radio after all, so that's what you get. And uh, before we dive into deep, I want to make sure to introduce to you my awesome Trek spurts. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have our trifecta from Portland because uh, Paul is off tonight. But we uh, we do have a uh, a double play from a Portland. A dynamic duo. A dynamic we have the dynamic duo. duo. Yes, <laughs> we have with us David the Donut Man. How you doing, David? Woohoo, donuts! Um, actually, I'm not in Portland right now, but I, I guess we're kind of a dynamic duel. But yeah. But uh, and no donuts. <laughs> no, okay. sadly, no donuts. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We'll we'll, we'll give you a break. We'll give you a break. But uh, we do have from Portland our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing great. I'm broadcasting live from my attic studio here, looking out my beautiful window. It's a little muggy here uh, and a little cloudy. It kind of wants to rain. I think it's probably going to later on tonight. Uh, But I'm excited to, of course, as always, talk Trek. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm hanging out in my man cave, surrounded by all my Star Trek posters and autographs and my Klingon head and my uniform and stuff. My, My dog is outside barking. You guys can probably hear her. But, oh, uh, yeah, no. it's going to be a good and, show. And you know what I'll say, Jim, is that uh, my good friend Paul, I will I will bring this up since he's not here as an, an honor to Paul. He, uh, the last time we hung out, he brought me a gift. And inside the gift was a Playmates action figure. And it was none other than a an action figure that he knew only I would appreciate out of all of his Star Trek fans. It was Catherine Pulaski. So I now am the proud owner of a Catherine Pulaski Playmates figure from the 90s, and I'm so happy with it. And it is sitting here right in front of me, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Wow. That's, I didn't even know they made those, but I guess I guess they must have. Here she uh, is. Wasn't it wasn't a triple. Cool. It wasn't a triple. <laughs> and uh, we also have with us from Las Vegas, we have Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. Another... Uh, Another roller coaster. We're hitting, but we peaked today at around 100 and something. Windy. We're supposed to be dropping 90s and 80 for Labor Day, Memorial Day weekend. So it's the usual craziness. 
heading I'm up to sure camp tomorrow. Go ahead. We're heading up to camp tomorrow. I'm getting out of work early because uh, my wife's finally feeling better from the COVID. I'm finally feeling better. So we're going to head up to camp early tomorrow and uh, kick off our Memorial Day weekend. But it's supposed to rain, but we'll see. Still, still going to go. Still oh, going to hang out. Nice. Still going to have fun. Oh, rain at camp is awesome. And oh, by the way, Eric, <laughs> I do have a Pulaski in my collection. Ah, there Literally you go. Literally in my collection. I do have her in my collection. Excellent. Wow, that's two Pulaskis. I have zero Pulaskis. Well, we'll have to do something about that. Uh, you need some, Jim. But I do have a Kang, though. I have, Ooh, the, Miko, I have cool. the Miko Kang. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, tonight, guys, we're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds, Ghost of Illyria. That's last week's episode. And people keep pointing this out to us on our, on our Facebook page. We are a week behind, and we do that intentionally uh, so that we don't ruin anything. Because some of us are old and long on the tooth and will blurt out things from an episode that we haven't watched yet. I don't know who would do that, but some of us do. So (laughs) (laughs) by waiting a week, we're a week behind. So there's nothing we can say that you haven't already seen. It gives all of you guys a chance to watch the episode before we talk about it. So that's why we are a week behind. Okay. It's done on purpose. So I just wanted to clear that up. Anyways, we're going to be talking about the Ghost of Illyria, which is episode three of Strange New Worlds. Episode four is on today, was on today. We'll talk about that next week. While I'm, t- while I'm on the subject, there will be no Trek Talking 2 on Monday night because of the holiday. So the following Monday, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2. We have all the fan scores, and uh, we're going to go back and take a look at the entire season and talk about you know, what you guys thought about it, what your final score was, what we thought about it. And we're just going to go back and revisit Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. So that'll be not next Monday, but the following Monday. All right, so that's out of the way. So, Ghost of Illyria. So we're going to be talking about Una, and uh, she's got some big secrets. I wonder what they are. What could they be? Are we going to talk about them tonight? Absolutely we are, for sure. And uh, we're also going to talk about this guy named Khan. Have you guys heard of him? He was on the show oh, yeah. before we went live. He, he, yeah. he shows up he every does. podcast. Yeah, every isn't he yep, floating every somewhere in space right now? He yeah. could be. He could be. And, uh, somewhere. We're going we're gonna to talk we a little bit about Khan. <laughs> True. <laughs> and uh, there is a connection with Khan to Strange New Worlds, and we're going to talk about that as well. I wonder what it could be. Hmm. We're going to talk about that. And, of course, I'm a doctor. Yeah. He is a doctor, but a doctor of what? We're going to dive into that, and we're going to tweak your freak tonight, and we're going to dive into the eugenics war. And we have a brand new segment called It's Hammer Time, and I bet you can't guess what that's all about. So we got a lot to talk about, but as if that's not enough, we also have a convention calendar for you guys. We have our fan shout-outs, and as always, our Star Trek birthday. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Our phone number here is 646. 646- Six six eight two four three three. If you're listening to my voice right now on Thursday night, that means you can call six four six 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 eight two four three three and join the fun. One more thing I want to mention to you guys before we dive into the show, 
is that I've set up a, a website for us finally. I know it's been, you know, the decades, uh, but I thought it was about time. So you guys can visit our web page, not Facebook, our actual web page at www.podpage.com backslash trek-talking. And if you go there, you will find access to our episodes there. Our newest episodes are there. And uh, we're growing that website every day. We're adding things. There's a segment there where you can email us and you can also click subscribe. All of the different services that you can listen to this podcast on are there. All you got to do is hit subscribe to um, uh, Google or whatever, whatever uh, platform you want. And our podcast will go automatically to your account. So check that out and uh, leave us a little comment. Let us know what you think about the, the page. I've been working on it and it's a work in progress right now, but I think it looks pretty good. Would you guys say it looks pretty good? You know, mm-hmm. we are well yeah. on our way to having an awesome webpage. It looks really good. You've, you've already got access to several months worth of our episodes right now. Um, and it's easy to find. That's what I love about it. It's podpage.com slash Trek dash talking Trek dash talking is how you get there. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's looking really good and it's only going to get better. We've got some new plans for it already. Yeah. It's only been up for about a week now. So it's, it's really new. Uh, so if you guys want to see something change or something different or something you don't like or something you do like, uh, you can click on the little envelope in the circle there and let us know. So, well, so please, please do that. All right, guys, are we ready to, to dive right in here? Let's do some Trek talking. Let's, let's yeah. Yep. Let's, let's, let's. You, we should, you should probably remind people how many people love us and how many people have downloaded us, though, Jim. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't updone that in a while, have I? So um, as of right now, uh, we have 96,087 followers. Actually, it's probably more than that because I haven't updated it yet because I had COVID last week. So it's probably over 97,000. But these numbers are from last week. I apologize. I had COVID and I I didn't update it. So uh, we have 96,087 followers. Um, if one of you guys, Charles, are you near? Could you check on your computer and see if that number has changed since last week? It, it probably I was has. Heading that way. Um, but uh, it was 96,087. Um, it's probably over 97,000 by now. So I apologize. I'll update that after the podcast. And we have 113,062 downloads of the podcast. And again, that's a week old because I haven't updated it yet. So I apologize. Uh, so that's what's going on. And uh, you can visit us on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash truck talking and beyond. You have to spell that all out. And at the top of the page, you will see the live long and prosper. And all you need to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, uncle Jim, uh, that means your name is going to be mentioned on a future fan shout out. So you want to tune in. So the whole world can hear that you are a Star Trek fan and that you listen to Trek talking. So Eric, why don't you get us started with our fan shout outs? Uh, the fan shout outs are always my favorite part of the show. Our very first fan shout out this week goes out to Daniel DeMuth. And Daniel says that he's on MV Baltic Sea, Germany. And I looked this up and to me, I think what he's saying is that he's on a military vessel, a naval ship, 
somewhere in the Baltic Sea. Uh, doesn't give us the name, but he is listening to us on a boat. So, Daniel, Demuth, thank you so much for supporting our podcast, and uh, thank you for your service uh, to your country. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, so thanks for contacting us. We're also saying hello this week to Richer Dessens in France. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but I'm doing my best. Richer, thank you so much for listening to us, and a kapla to you. A big live long and prosper goes out to David Cuthill this week as well, who's saying hello from England, just across the pond in the United Kingdom. Hello, David, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Also, hello this week to Fran Avery, right here out on the West Coast, but closer to Charles than myself, down in the City of Angels, L.A., California. Fran, thank you so much for listening to us. And also, our my very last fan shout-out goes out to Don Slather, who is in uh, a, a country that, uh, you know, I cannot help myself. It always brings out a little bit of something in me. You know what I mean? Yeah, bum, I bum, 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 my favorite Van Halen yeah. song. Yeah. I love it. It's a great song, and Don it is, is a from great a really song. cool country that is uh, obviously extremely important to the entire economy of the planet. So, Don, thanks for listening to us. Charles. Who would you like to say hello to? Thinking of the song Panama, I actually remember high school in Spanish class. Somebody actually used that song as their main report about Panama. <laughs> cool. Yep. It's, it's off the Van Halen album called 1984 that came out in 1984. The biggest song on that yep. album, though, was Jump, went all the way to number one. Yeah. See, With the Smoking Baby Angel. Angel. Educational. Okay, tri- <laughs> okay. Quick trivia: What song had to be renamed because of that song? Because the jump. Because the jump. What song got re- different out? Different uh, group. Oh, different for my group. Life. I don't know. Um, Pointer Sisters had to rename their song "Jump." For my love, for my love because yeah. of Van Halen's jump, it released the same time. Wow. Same ah. year. Same bat time. Same bat same channel. All kinds of good trivia here on Trek Talking. Yep. Sometimes okay. we go outside of Trek. Simon Isaacs from Adelaide, South Australia. Down under. Paul Smith from San Antonio, Texas. Eric Zohar from Montreal, Canada. Letterpress Standard from Pahrump, Nevada. As we used to say, over the hump, because they're over the hill, over the over the mountain pass to get rump. And David Fleming from Iowa. I think we got a captain from over there. Jim, any New Yorkers? Yeah, we actually have one this week. Uh, but first, we want to say kapla to Tom Webster, who's listening in New Hampshire. Thanks for listening, Tom. Uh, we want to say thank you to Howard Sherratt from New York, uh, which I don't know, upstate, downstate, in the city, in the Catskills. I don't know. But uh, he's from New York. So thank you so much to listening to Howard. We want to say thank you to Rick Fisher, who's listening in Missouri. 
We want to say live long and prosper to Nick Baker, who's listening in Wales, UK. And last but not least, we want to say thank you so, so much to Sky Phillips, who's listening to us in Australia. Good day, mate. And that wraps up our uh, fan shout-outs. Like I said, if you guys want to hear your name on a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page. Just tell us where you're listening from. It's that simple, quick, painless, and easy. And before we cut to our first commercial break, uh, Charles was kind enough to update our numbers, and we have 97,252 followers on our Facebook page. So I would say it was, it was up around 97,000. We average about 1,000 a week. So um, that's about right. All right, guys, we're going to take our first commercial break. Don't touch that dial because we have Star Trek birthdays when we come back. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and we're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. That's the part of the show where we do Star Trek birthdays, which means first we have to play the Klingon song. was not a Klingon song. No, but we like it anyways, and we love our warfisms. So we always start off our birthdays with our remembrances for those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And usually, we start off with Eric, but tonight we're going to start off with me, because the birthday that I want to mention is very special to me for two reasons. One, because I grew up as a kid watching him fly his Viper around every night on Battlestar Galactica. And uh, I, I, I loved Battlestar Galactica. It, it just, yeah. yeah, I loved it. The Cylons, the whole, I, it just, yeah, I loved it. It was like Star Wars on TV that I could watch every single week. And I loved Battlestar Galactica. And Richard Hatch, who played Captain Apollo, was my favorite character. But he also happened to be in Star Trek. Um, He was in Prelude to Axanar as Commander Karn, who was a Klingon, nonetheless. And that brings me to why we're mentioning him tonight. Way, way back in 2015, when I first started this podcast, and Admiral Ken was my co-host, instead of me being his, we started as Masters of Disaster Radio, and I had a Star Trek segment on his show, we switched, and then I started Trek Talking, and he came on as my co-host. That's how long ago this was. And uh, the very first actor that I ever interviewed on this podcast live was Richard Hatch. And the talk that he was I, – I, I put a link on our Facebook page so you guys can listen to it. I can't tell you how awesome of a person Richard Hatch was. He was genuine. He was heartwarming. He was sincere. Uh, he was friendly. He loved the fans. I mean, this guy was 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 everything you would 
could ever expect him to be and more. There was only one slight little mix-up, and that is there's a difference between my time and your time. Well, Eric and Charles are in a different time zone than me. And when I got in touch with Richard Hatch, uh, he called me back, and he said, oh, yeah, we can, we can do the show. Um, he says, how does 1130 work? And I thought, well, 1130, okay, that's 930. All right, I can do that. That's all right, because I, I got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work. So yeah, he meant he, 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 he so as a, anyways he ended up meaning at eleven thirty my time and not eleven thirty his time. So Ken and I went on the podcast at eleven thirty at night and didn't get off until one a.m. and I had to get up for work the next day at five. But it was worth it. Richard Hatch was so awesome. He loved our theme song. We had callers from Germany. We had callers from all over the globe. It was so much fun to interview him. So. I just wanted to take this opportunity to say happy birthday to Richard Hatch. We miss you. And he was an awesome guy. So that's my wow. Richard Hatch. That's spiel. totally awesome. Okay. I would have loved to have met him. And don't forget that he also was able then later in the 21st century from 2004 to 2009 to get his hat back in the game with Battlestar, the new Battlestar Galactica series playing Tom Zarek, uh, a very that's right. excellent character. And just like knocked it out of the park again. It was awesome to see Apollo come back to <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, even as a different character. And I remember one of the questions I asked him, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Prelude to Axanar, but he's done up as a Klingon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Which, and I asked him, what, what did he do to get into, into playing a Klingon? And if I remember correctly, I think he, he, he said they reminded him of Vikings, if I remember. It's a long, long time ago. I think he said they reminded him of Vikings, so he kind of played Karn as a Viking. And I thought, that's an interesting um, scenario. Never sure. thought of Klingons as Vikings. I thought of Klingons as pirates. Um, yeah, I mean, Vikings but, are know. basically pirates with a with a national uh, backing behind them, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. So, you know, so they're out to colonize rather than just plunder, but they do both. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They do both. So, uh, yeah, so I want, I'm sorry that I took the, that I jumped in ahead of Eric, but I just had to take an opportunity to mention Richard Hatch. Uh, he was awesome. I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I had to get a chance to interview him. And he was an awesome, awesome person. So Eric, now that I got Richard Hatch out of the way, yeah. who are you remembering from our Star Trek family? Uh, we have many, many others from our Star Trek family we're remembering uh, this week. We're, we're totaling in at nine remembrances this week. So our first uh, fan remembrance and happy birthday goes out to actor Anthony Lared Zerbe, uh, who, of course, played Admiral Doherty in Star Trek Insurrection, yet another uh, evil, <laughs> yeah, evil, evil Admiral. Admiral out for himself, uh, you know, in that case, uh, on sort of the quest for immortality, a little Indiana Jones flavor there, but uh, just, uh, he looks good in uniform, man, with that gray beard and everything, Uh, and did you know that uh, he actually made his filming debut playing, that's right, Dog Boy in 1967's Cool Hand Luke. So go back, uh, if you haven't seen Cool Hand Luke in a while, and Anthony Laird Zerby is there. Uh, and then you can fast forward to Insurrection and see him as Doherty. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to Anthony Zerby. We're also saying uh, happy birthday this week to Stephanie Nitzik, who played the Trill Param in Star Trek Insurrection. 
Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Richard Libertini, who played Aquarum Lawn in DS9's Ascension. Uh, Richard Libertini has a just like a resume way too long to talk about. So I, I can't really even go into it, but you go from the sixties up to the 2010s uh, and he's just been in everything. So really special to have him uh, as the what 300 year old Bajoran who comes through the wormhole, if I remember right um, in that episode uh, claims that he's the emissary of the prophets and uh, all that cool DS nine stuff. So Richard Libertini would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Booker T Bradshaw who played the original Dr. Mbenga in TOS's episodes, A Private Little War, and That Which Survives. Um, he actually was an actor in a few things, but he actually became a accomplished television writer. And he was actually a writer uh, on the Planet of the Apes series. Uh, he was also a writer on different strokes. Uh, and he wrote an episode of Columbo back in the day. So Booker T. Bradshaw would have had a birthday this week as well. Happy birthday to him. We're saying what are you talking birthday. about, Willis? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that he had to stick that in there somewhere. <laughs> it's probably uh, obligatory. Uh, also, happy birthday to actor David Hughes, uh, who played Trefane in TOS's episode, Errand of Mercy. Uh, Mercy. Uh, Trefane is, of course, the Organian who was described as quite intuitive by the council spokesman, Eilborn. Uh, so happy birthday to David. Also, happy birthday to Shirley Bond who played Ruth in TOS's episode, Shore Leave. Uh, you, if you've seen Shore Leave, you know exactly who Ruth is. Um, she was actually the star of the short-lived sitcom in the 60s, My Sister Eileen, and had an uncredited role in a movie called The Wheeler Dealers. And the reason I mention that one is also James Doohan had an uncredited role in that movie. So there you go. She had a little acting uh, interaction with James Doohan, several years prior to Star Trek. Uh, happy birthday to Shirley Bond. Also happy birthday this week to uh, actress Sarah Marshall. She played Dr. Janet Wallace in TOS's episode, The Deadly Years. Uh, love that episode. And there's a really cool fan uh, version that is a follow-up to that that you should seek out on the internet as well. Um, she was actually nominated uh, for Broadway's 1960 Tony Award as Best Supporting or Featured Actress for Goodbye, Charlie. So uh, that's some chops right there. Sarah Marshall would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Patrick Horgan. Uh, first name officially John, but he went by Patrick. Patrick Horgan played Eneg in TOS's episode Patterns of Force. Uh, if you know about that, that's the, uh, the Nazi episode, we'll say. Uh, and he is the, I think he's the chancellor or chairman or something like that. Um, and uh, he, Patrick was best known for a lot of um, soap operas uh, through the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was on Ryan's Hope, Guiding Light, His World Turns, uh, The Doctor. Um, so great role there and obviously uh, got lots of work after that. So happy birthday to Patrick Horgan. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Paul Winfield. Um, very special actor. Uh, you know him as Captain Terrell from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, and if you have been living under a rock and have never seen Wrath of Khan, surely you're familiar with the TNG episode, Darmok. And he does play Captain Dathan in Darmok. So great to have him in at least two eras, two episodes, two bits of Star Trek out there. 
Um, he is one of only four Star Trek alumni ever to have been nominated for the Academy Award in Best Actor for a Leading Role. Uh, the other nominees were F. Murray Abraham, Frank Langella, and Benedict Cumberbatch. And Abraham is the only one who has actually won the award. So I think that is pretty cool. And another interesting thing about Winfield and this particular character, Terrell, he was reported as saying in relation to his role of Captain Terrell, and these are some thoughtful words to just make you think a little bit. He said, I died so the white man could live. So as my dad would say, put that in your pipe and smoke it and think about it for a while. Uh, those are our remembrances for this week. Lots of folks to remember who would have had birthdays this week. Charles, who would we like to celebrate that is still with us today? Okay, let's start off with um, Alex Penteloff, who played Dr. Nicholas in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And if you're trying to remember who that was, Scotty spoke to his computer and said, Computer, he was the one that was introduced to transparent aluminum. And also... The reason yep. why Alexis will respond to that word, which I don't want to say a second time because mine will go off and ask me why I'm talking to <laughs> Which I'll warn yeah. you is, no fun, is an issue of having that device near a TV oh, yeah. while watching Star Trek. <laughs> Computer. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, and if you guys don't, if you guys don't remember... That particular scene is when they're going to give him the transparent aluminum. And McCoy says to Scotty, you know, come here for a second. Aren't you aware that if we give him the formula, we could be altering the future? And Scotty says to McCoy, how do we know he didn't invent the bloody thing? Mm -hmm. McCoy says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And they give it to him. (laughs) That's the guy. (laughs) Yep. And we continue with Ben Lemon, who played Jeb in TNG's Violations. Matt McCoy played Devonany Rao from TNG's The Price. Susan Dial yeah. played Carmen Sevilla in TNG's Silicon Avatar. And also played Dr. Dorian Pell in Voice, Life Sign, and Resolution. Denara Pell, she's the Vidian. And you know what's funny? I just watched Silicon Avatar the other day. And when I was out with my COVID watching Star Trek all day. And her name, she came up, Carmen Devilla from Silicon Avatar is the woman that Riker was hitting on in the beginning of the episode you guys remember. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. says, oh, well, why don't we get together for some dinner and wine later on after the da-da-da. And he, he, he sets up a date with her that he never gets to go on because the silicone avatar disintegrates her. But uh, he, he's one of the, she's one of the women that Riker hits on and, and, uh, and has a date with. So that was – it's funny that, that her birthday came up right after I watched the episode. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. I know. That is really funny. And this one's a unique one. Tim Robinson, who played Anson Fletcher and played a corrupted isolinear core. 
in L- and LDS's termin- terminal provocations. Great episode. <laughs> I was looking him up. It's like, oh, he had two parts. He also played a computer part. Mm-hmm. This one's a little connected to a couple weeks ago. And Cusack, who played Maggie in Enterprises Carbon Creek. Great episode. If you guys haven't seen it, watch it. Which we just recently talked about. Here's one of our famous ones. Because we've been also talking about this episode. Speaking of time recently travel. Recently in connection. Yeah, speaking of time travel. <laughs> is Joan Collins. Who, from her illustrious career, career also played Edith Keeler in TOS's City on the Edge of Forever. And my last reference actually was the fact that uh, we talked about Spock in that episode. And also was the first to- one of the early times where we've seen a Vulcan in a skull cap. Hide those ears. Popular head gear. Yep. Yeah. And to finish off my side, we also got John Bing, Bing, Billingsley, who played Dr. Fox in Enterprise. I love Dr. Fox. And, yeah. And since Paul's not here, we'll pass it on to Jim. Yeah, the I'll first one, oddly enough. I, I, I have no Klingons, but I do have some good ones. Um, but yeah. the first one we want to say happy birthday to is actually known for uh, being the lead guitarist in the Go-Go's, a rock and roll, female rock and roll band from the 80s. Um, but she's a huge Star Trek fan. I mean, a big Star Trek fan. And when Star Trek Four came out, she reached out and said, look, you know, I want to be in this movie. And the Go-Go's were like huge at the time. And so they said, all right, we'll, we'll put you in the movie. So uh, she played Triella in Star Trek IV, um, The Voyage Home. She was one of the, of the um, people on the view screen at Starfleet headquarters talking about the sh- powers failing. But she had this really weird curly hairdo. You would mm-hmm. recognize her if you saw her. And of course, I'm talking about Jane Whelan. So happy birthday to Jane Whelan. And the Go-Go's, by the way, just got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I saw that. How about that? They've got the beat, baby. They've got the beat. (laughs) So happy birthday to Jane Whelan. Um, See, this is education, this show. You learn all kinds of stuff. Um, Our lips definitely are not sealed. Um, The next birthday that we want to say happy birthday to is Jill Jacobson, who played Vanessa in the TNG episode, the Royale. And of course, I have a story about her. <laughs> of course. So, mm-hmm. she Vanessa, your dice too? <laughs> she's the woman that blew on Data's dice in that episode, if you guys remember. Not a very big role, but she, was, she blew Data's dice in the episode. Well, a friend of mine got a job working on Star Trek at, at, in 1991 when this episode aired. And they were filming Michael Dorn's part uh, in Star Trek VI as Colonel Worf. So we flew out to California to go and see the sets of TNG, but they wouldn't let us on because of the Michael Dorn thing. It was a closed set, so we could not go on the set. I was very disappointed. But we did go 
to downtown Hollywood and have a burger at this place called Pud Rucker. Pud 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 Ruckers. Pud Ruckers. Yeah, Pud Ruckers. We went there to have a burger, and Karen and I are sitting there having our burger. And who walks in and gets a burger? The woman that blew Data's dice. Wow. And it, and my mind, my my Vermont mind was blown. I'm like, oh my god, we're out getting a burger, and there's the woman that blew Data's dice. This must be a common thing for people in Hollywood. But for <laughs> me and my wife, we were like really excited that we saw Data's dice blow her at a burger joint. So um, we went over, and this is before you know cell phones and things like that. So there's no selfies or anything. So we just we went over and talked to her, and and she was really nice and really cool. And she was surprised that we remembered her because she had such a small role. And I was like, I'm a Star Trek fan. That's what I do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, she thanked us for watching the show and so on and so forth. And, and off we went. And we got to meet the date, the lady that blew Data's dice at a burger joint. So how cool was that? <laughs> True story. So Keep happy birthday to Jill Jacobson. Um, and I got a good one here. This guy's an idiot, by the way. Uh, H. John <laughs> Benjamin, who played Edward Largan in the short Trek, uh, in the short Trek's Trouble with Edward, and they did put his DNA, by the way, in the breakfast cereal, so you can't eat mm-hmm. too much of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys haven't seen that one? You want to check it out? It's a good, it's a fun one. Um, then I've got another one from Short Treks. Here we go. Yardia mm-hmm. Helena Guevara Pripp, who played Poe in the short Trek's Runaway. And Discovery, Such Sweet Sorrow, Part 1 and 2, which is one of my favorite uh, Star Trek episodes. So happy birthday. I love, I love super brilliant queens who don't want to be queen, who are forced to be queen, but really just want to go rogue and eat ice cream and invent cool things. Yeah, and you know, they we, we never, after the burn, because their planet was the lithium, we never saw her again or found out what happened to their dilithium-rich planet when the burn happened. So I don't, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a little, know, would, would I'm a little been... concerned about that. <laughs> yeah, actually <laughs> I am. Like it would have fared very well. No, it would not have been a good thing. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Jeremy Crittenden, who played Elig in DS uh, Discovery's Vaunting Ambitions and What's Past is Prologue. He was the um, Mirror Universe um, governor. I think would be a more of an accurate title when Giorgio takes her little death frisbees with them out and kills everybody. He's the guy that's left. And she says, I'll make you governor of Andoria. If you clean this up and keep it quiet or something along those lines. He's known as Lord Elling, Lord. Lord. Yes. That was him. And we also want to say happy birthday to Tom McQuester who played Colos in DS9's Q-List. And I've got the last two big ones here. We want to say happy birthday to David Ajala, who plays owner Ugh. of Grudge. <laughs> or actually, Grudge is more like his owner, but owner right. of Grudge, Cleveland Booker on Discovery. I'm I'm really interested to find out what's going to happen in season five now that he's on a penal colony for almost destroying all sentient life. I know. Um, they, him and he Grudge are gone. So yeah, he he did. I'm not I'm not defending him, but um, I'm I miss Grudge. You know, I was hoping I he was going to leave Grudge on the ship, but he took Grudge with him. So I'm wondering if we'll see him again. Will Michael visit him? Um, I I don't know, but 
he was a good character, and um, he did he did come around and do the right thing at the end, but it was a little bit too late. So happy birthday to David Ajala. And last but not least, this guy I looked I I looked him up at. He played the Silver Surfer in um, the Fantastic Four. Um, he he was in the Shape of Water as the alien. Um, he was God. He, this guy's been everything. Oh my God, he's he been was everything. Pan. He was in he was in Pan's Labyrinth. He was Pan, in Hellboy too. Yep. And, Hellboy yeah. too. Yep. He, I mean, he's been everywhere. But tonight. We're celebrating him as Mr. Saru from Star Trek Discovery. And, of course, I'm talking then none other than the awesome Doug Jones. And I got to say, well, one that I really, really enjoyed him and Michael's journey on Star Trek Discovery. They both learned how to be captains, and they both supported each other. They, were, they both leaned on each other, supported each other, and helped each other get to where they needed to be. <clears throat> I thought that Captain Saru was was a great character. I loved his his rise to the captaincy, and then he he leaves to go off with uh, Sukal, and Michael becomes captain, and then he comes back as her first officer. And I I, I love that dynamic. I love that character, and I, I think he's awesome. I really hope I get a chance to meet him at a convention sometime later down the road because I just love his character. So happy birthday to Doug Jones. Happy birthday to him. And don't forget, Jim, like one of my favorite parts of the way they did Saru there towards the end was now they've, they've taken him beyond captain and alien and all that kind of stuff. And now he's got this beautiful, beautiful budding relationship with a Vulcan, which is super cool. So him and Tarina, I'm all about Saru and Tarina. Yeah. I hope they carry that through into season five. Mm-hmm. And and he, he's also ambassador, um, uh, ambassador to Kaminar too. He wears the ambassador's pin. Yep. So he's an ambassador as well. So he's just a very well-rounded, well-developed character, and he's one of my favorites on the show. So happy birthday to Doug Jones. Uh, so guys, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to hear from our very own GM Chris, and when we come back, we have convention calendar. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And welcome back, everybody. You know, GM Chris has got that really good radio voice, don't you think? Oh, yeah. He could read the phone book, and uh, I'd listen to it. Yeah, he, he, he was one of my co-hosts for a little while, um, back when we were doing Star Trek Attack Wing for a bit. Um, I miss GM Chris. I hope I hope everything is going well, and that maybe someday he can come back and join us. Uh, I miss GM Chris. So anyways, guys, it is time for... Convention, 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 convention. Calendar, 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 calendar. All right, Eric, you get to lead off the convention calendar, so where are you taking us first? Well, our very first convention calendar takes us all the way to the heart 
of Ohio where they simply have decided to call their convention Geek Out. Oh, man, what a great name. Geek Out is June 9th through the 12th at the Hannon's Camp America in College Corner, Ohio. So go check that out. We're also going to be checking out Armageddon Expo Auckland Winter, June 10th through the 12th at the ASB Showgrounds, Auckland, New Zealand. That is why it is winter and not summer in June. <laughs> so go check out the Armageddon, Armageddon Expo. Uh, we're also going to be checking out the Ranger Stop and PopCon, June 10th through the 12th at the Sheridan Atlanta Hotel in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. Charles, what do you got on your list? Let's start off with the Maryland Comic Con, June 11th at the Howard County Fairground, West, West Friendship, Maryland. Or you can go to Middle Georgia Comic Convention. Also June 11th at the Holiday Inn, Malcolm North at Malcolm, Georgia. Or you can go to Ron and Expo June 11th also at the Japanese American Culture and Community Center in Los Angeles, California. Or where else can we go, Jim, on the 11th? Well, sticking with, with our, our theme of June 11th, <laughs> Uh, you can go to so. ScreenCon <laughs> at Parks Sports Center in North Shields, UK. Or on June 11th, if you had a transporter, you could just beam around to all these different conventions. Oh, sweet. Wouldn't that be cool? Also on June 11th, you could go to Silver Age Comic Con at Circus Circus Reno in Reno, Nevada. Charles, what's that all about? I don't know. That's about eight hours away. You'll have to go check that out for That's us. It's a long drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, last but not least, but still on June 11th, this one's June 11th and June 12th, we have NoCoCon. NoCoCon? NoCoCon, yeah. NoCoCon at Watertown Municipal Arena in Watertown, New York. And uh, that wraps up our convention calendar, guys. So if you're near any of these uh, conventions, please check them out. But you want to call ahead and make sure that the uh, event's still being held because uh, COVID is rearing its ugly head yet again. So make sure that the event is still being held and that um, everything is going on as scheduled. We'd hate to see you go to NoCoCon and get there and it's not happening. So uh, call the venue and make sure it's happening ahead of time. So, uh, oh, we have a caller on the line. Sweet. Yeah, this number, this is, looks familiar. Hey, hey good evening. Thank you for calling. Hey. This is, hey, it's just Anna. Oh, hi, Anna. How you doing? Hey. Hello. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing Hello. really, really, really good. Thank good. you for calling. Good. Thank you for having the show. It's something to look forward to, you know. Yeah, we're 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 about to talk about Star Trek, so. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're gonna do some Trek talking coming right up, and uh, oh, we have another we have another caller, guys. Another line lit up here. Woohoo! Let's see if I can get this thing to work. Come on, you can do it. My computer. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? 
Hello? Hello? It's Brother Ray. Happy, happy Memorial Day weekend. Hey, Ray. What's happening, folks, hey, buddy? Yo, how you doing? Yo, Jim, I, I heard about your situation. I'm so sorry. At least you feel much better, yo. I swear to God. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely better for sure. So thank you so much. Hey, what about those Yankees, Ray? They're on a tear, huh? Yo, they're, yo, they're on the freaking warpath. I'm telling they're you, on a they're path. on fire. But I, but they I think the Mets fire. are gonna take them down, Ray. The Mets are gonna take them down. <laughs> yo, nice tell you like 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 my mother-in-law just now. She said the same thing. She like I said, she don't curse, but she she said she said, she, she said, she said we gonna fall. I said okay, mom, we gonna uh, we gonna fall. Yeah, okay, let's see how this go, goes out. Cause remember though, we just started good. Wait until our tour comes up. Let's see, let's see who who gonna dance. We definitely will. We're gonna we're gonna see, see who, who wants who to dance. dance. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Let's, <laughs> let's see who let's see who who's gonna dance. That's but right. Anyway, that's what it's all about. Anyway, I, um, anyway, I, I got a question to ask you. Yes, what she has was the man. I, I love Bad Chocolate. I love that show. Even the remake, I love that remake. But the, the remake. But I mean, but I got something for you. Um, you remember uh, Hawaii Five O? I mean the old one. Uh, I mean the old ones back in the um, the seventies. Book them, Dano. <laughs> right. Remember, uh, remember, uh, remember. Um, he did uh, two episodes of that. The, uh, did uh, he of really? That series. He it did. wasn't surprising. He did. Um, um, the um, the first the first episode was um, the one he, he did uh, with uh, Meg Foster. The one that, um, that they were stealing the babies and trying to sell them. Okay. And, 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 right, and, right, and, and, and in the episode that um, he was, you know, like um, schizophrenic, you know, you know, crazy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't, like, I, like, I only really remember yeah, seeing I mean, him as Apollo on Battlestar Galactica, but I, he's been I mean, on uh, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, 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 Joe, Joe, like I say, you have a chance, look it up. Look it up, you have a chance. But all, I mean, but all I know is that the Yankees, the Yankees are on fire, and my mother-in-law is mad at me. Oh, there's no just, there's no need to be mad. It's just a game. There's no, no crying in baseball. It's a rival <laughs> thing. It's a rival <laughs> thing. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like the Yankees get, um, um, against, you know, against Boston. It's a rival thing. <laughs> It's yep. a rival thing, and it's and, 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 and one of the, it's really fun about this one, like this. I'm in the Bronx, they in Queens, the four train and the seven train. We we in the same borough, I mean the, the same state. That's a rival, you know what? It is? To me, that's a beef war. It it is. I I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, Ray. I'm not from the. I don't live down there at all. I spent my summers down in Brooklyn, but I'm I'm up here up in Vermont, and we used to go to Yankee Stadium all the time, and I never went to Shea Stadium. And I got tickets for Shea Stadium, and I said, wait a minute, Shea Stadium is only eight miles away from Yankee Stadium, and it takes us about four hours to get to Yankee Stadium. So how long did it possibly take to drive eight (laughs) miles? Okay, answer... Eight miles in New York City driving your car. Oh yes. my God! It's 
It, 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 I, know. I, I swear I it took me an hour. You. It took an hour and a half to drive eight miles. I had to go over the, the uh, Queens Expressway uh, bridge. Oh, my God. It took, it, I was like, eight miles? Are you kidding me? This long to they, drive um, eight miles? Um, did they uh, uh, do it with uh, the Subway Series? Something like that? Yeah. No, uh, the, uh, the Subway Series, you, you know, you, 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 you know, the Subway Series, right? You know, so you go back and forth. Did you yep. know to that? I, 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 I never done that. Oh, it was fun. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I see it on TV, but I never actually just done that. You know, you, you know, you, you know, you go to the thing and watch a line. I, I never done that. It, it it's fun, That's right? It's nothing. Watching it on TV is nothing like seeing it in person. Seeing a live right. baseball game is nothing like watching it on TV, especially when right. it's the Yankees and the Mets. When we're at Yankee Stadium chanting "Let's go Mets" as Mike Piazza hits a home run off Roger Clemens. What could be better? Oh, my God. You went way <laughs> back. Yeah, well, I'm old. <laughs> the, the Yankees ended I'm up – the Mets ended up um, – <laughs> the, the Yankees ended up losing that game 12-4. to 4. It was a good game. <laughs> but anyway, it was a good game. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it was a good game. So, do, do you guys yeah, know well, the DS9 baseball caps? Yeah, DS9 baseball caps. That's right. Well, Ray, we really appreciate you calling. We love to hear from you and uh, what's going on in the Bronx. And uh, yeah, it's great. Any, it's great to hear from you every week, Ray. No problem, no problem, guys. No problem. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy your Mother Day weekend. You know what I'm saying? And take care. I'll call you guys next week. Have, uh, you you too, week. Ray. Have Stay safe, night. buddy. No problem. Go get some. Go I get will. some of that Thank really, you. really good New York City pizza. There's a great pizza place on Fifth Avenue between uh, 53rd. And 54th Street in Brooklyn, it's called King's Pizza. Go over there and get some pizza. It's awesome. Oh, I've been there. Remember, I'm in New York. I've been there. I know that spot. Yeah. Come on, I'm in New York. Pizza. I know all about New York. I, I know about Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn, but Queens. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Queens is kind of like you know. I get lost. Well, I, I get that's lost understandable. Queens. I need a little bit. You know why? It's so many the damn numbers. But anyway, enjoy you guys' weekend. Like I say, every Thursday, I, I, I call by that on Thursday. Enjoy your night. Yep, you too, Ray. Have a safe and happy Memorial Day you weekend. Too, Say hello to your wife for you us. Bye bye. All right. So, guys, um, that was Ray from the Bronx, believe it or not. And we, we talk to Ray every week. It's great to hear from Ray. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. Oh, and when we come day. back, we are going to talk about strange new worlds. So you definitely want to hang around for that. And what are we going to take for break? Uh, let me see here. How about this one? Uh, we're, going to, we're going to go to break with Q. Uh, if you guys watched Star Trek Picard, he gives a call, a business card to Adam Soon. And on that business card is a phone number. Of course, I had to call that phone number. Um, But if you didn't call that phone number, this is what you would have heard if you called that phone number. And we'll be right back after we hear what Q has to say. Hello. You have reached the Q continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. 
Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. And we're back. And that is so cute. Isn't that? That's perfect cue. <laughs> yep, that's cute. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're going to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 3, The Ghost of Illyria. Now, every week when the episode airs, I put a post on our Facebook page, and I ask you guys, the fans, what you thought about the episode. And we collect your scores and tally them up to see what you guys scored the episode. And then we compare that to us. So we like to have a lot of fan interaction here like we have with Ray and Anna. Um, So we like to hear from you guys. So before we do that, though, um, just to give you guys a little reminder, this is what we're going to be talking about. First Officer's Log, Stardate 1224.3. The Enterprise has arrived at Hediment 9 the site of an abandoned Illyrian colony. Illyrians are a humanoid species known for modifying their genes to enhance their capabilities and levels of function. However, because genetic modification is forbidden in the Federation, they have always been outcasts. Our presence here is part of a standing mission to discover what happened to them. I love the, I love the logs because it's a great segue into this section. So hopefully yeah. they do a log like that with every episode so I can rip it and we can play it. All right, Eric. So we heard the segue. We heard the captain's log. Let's hear from the fans. Well, our fans had a lot to say about this one. Bruce Gowan gave it an eight this week. Uh, Ron Charity said, filmed in my hometown. I recognized Ontario Place immediately. Enjoying the series so far. Like how you have pulled all the elements together yet added a new spin on the classic franchise. 10. So there you go. Uh, Steve Bellinger gave it a 9. Eric Fagenbaum gave it a 10. Alfonso Zavaleta gave it a 6. Thomas Baldridge said it invoked a serious emotional response, a serious 10. Olaf Lauridsen gave it a 10. Laurie Miller-Willis said 8. I would have thought first Starfleet would have found out Una is an Illyrian when she joined. They do medical exams to have personnel medical history on file. And I would have thought ship overhauls would have discovered Mega was hiding his daughter in the buffer. Otherwise, I'm loving this series and all the characters. I loved Spock's line, I'm arming us with the knowledge, L-O-L. <laughs> I agree, Laurie, that was a great line. Uh, Mark Johnson said a solid nine. I'm really enjoying how a younger Spock has got a level of snark without being overdone. And uh, top fan Bruce David Rhodes said 10 for how number one carried the engineering dude. (laughs) The engineering dude. (laughs) Uh, So that averages out this week, guys, to a fan score of 9.0, which, of course, is still extremely, extremely respectable. Just a skosh below uh, our first couple episodes. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of like I kind of like uh, the clips. It gives us a springboard to talk from. So the first thing that I want to talk about is a clip that I entitled "Con." Maybe there we go. Illyrians. You think this contamination might be related to them? 
I don't know what to think. I'm just doing research. Well, it seems to me things like this are exactly why the Federation is so wary of genetically modified species like the Illyrians. You start breaking down the genetic code, who knows what the unexpected consequences can be? If the problem originated with the Illyrians, maybe they could also provide us with a cure. Isn't using any Illyrian medical tech against Federation regs? Thanks to the eugenics wars. I imagine you know all about that period in history. Well, you don't grow up with a bioengineered mass murderer as your ancestor and not develop a thick skin. Khan Noonien Singh. Made myself a kind of an expert on him when I was a kid. Okay, they said they said the name. We got to talk about it. Who mm-hmm. is this Khan that they speak of? <laughs> so if you guys didn't know, she is a relative, a, a distant relative of Khan. We kind of thought that in the beginning when we heard her name. But here, they confirm it. They lay it right out for us. Yes, she is definitely a descendant of Khan. They mentioned the eugenic wars, and they mentioned that, uh, that genetics have been outlawed in the Federation. All these little tidbits of information come up in this short conversation. And I thought that uh, because they mentioned Khan, we should definitely talk about it. So what do you guys think about this Khan connection? Interesting. Oh, man. This is a, yeah, this is a super... We knew it was going to come up. You, we yep, knew it was going to come it. up because we knew her last name. And I don't know, Jim, If we, maybe what we should do is start with the elephant in the room, and then we can kind of get away from that and talk about the deeper parts. But I think the elephant in the room is – that there's a little confusion now based on um, the new series and some of the things that we've heard about uh, some people have confusion about the eugenics wars and about Khan in general and when all that happened and everything. And, uh, you know, based on Pike's uh, soliloquy he gives uh, in the first episode. Uh, so the way that I understand it is that uh, from a Star Trek standpoint, there's a couple of different, this, this is a result of multiple conflicts. It's not like there was a eugenic war. There were, there were many conflicts, a war, which they also called the Second Civil War, which then eventually turned into World War III. And even though 1992 to 1996 is referenced, Captain Pike does reference the 21st century as well. So the way I'm looking at this is that this is all part of the same continuity. And if you want to pick apart 1992 to 1996, okay, uh, you can do that. But that being said, if you, if you, if you don't pick it apart, I think this is really interesting because you've got a character here in La'an who literally has been called an augment and teased and berated because of her last name. When in fact, as far as we know, she's not genetically engineered at all. And so I really liked in this episode how they set her up opposite Una and whoop, whoop, spoiler alert, uh, the things that we discover about Una and her own, um, you know, genetic improvements and that sort of stuff. I just think it makes for a really, really interesting character interaction between those two that in the end, and I think by the end of this episode, and this is one of the reasons I think this episode is really good, they have formed an even tighter friendship by the end, even though they had to kind of go through this conflict to get there. So I really liked that connection. And I I want to point out something else as, as well. We watched the episode um, uh, uh, Simon Earth, and the Enterprise goes back in time. Why did they go back in time? Because the records of that of Earth during that time period are very fragmented and and disjointed and and 
and messed up and muddied. So, you know, that date, that 92, those dates are not written in stone or etched in blood. They're approximations um, based on historians' assumptions. They don't actually know because the record in his own words. They're muddied and distorted. So um, don't lean on those dates and base your entire assessment of the show because, you know, Khan said in the Wrath of Khan that they launched in 1996. Therefore, that's the end of it. Don't, 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 don't be like that. <laughs> because that's right. Kirk, and, you know. And you don't have to. And, and don't forget that we have multiple sources for kind of eugenics war stuff prior to this, too. Not only do we, of course, have Space Seed and all of the stuff that goes along with Khan, but they covered this topic in Enterprise, in Borderlands as well, uh, and the whole Eric oh. Sony and the Augment story. Right. So not al- I was going to say, not only that, but I was looking at my notes from the last week when I watched this episode. Eugenics and the ban on it still exists in quite a while in the future because we find out Julian Brigier. Yeah. That's right. Don't go on through basically augmentations also when it's like, Okay, and there's still discussion of the ban then. This but ban's you know, been going on for quite a while. And to yep. me, Charles, the ban is still a little unclear because I think that when we think about it as Star Trek fans, we always think about it as con. And so we think about it as, okay, yep. improved strength, improved intelligence, da-da-da-da-da, which, uh, you know, unfortunately bred some sort of, like, sociopath uh, tendencies into con, probably. But is all genetic manipulation banned in the uh, in the Federation? I don't think so because I think that we have seen uh, and I an enhancement. Yeah. Uh, the enhancements are frowned upon. Well, I think for things like heart and organs and such, I think it's approved. But for enhancing somebody's abilities, it's still frowned on. Well, and I guess that's kind of where I was going was um, they haven't really given us a clear kind of line as to where, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. Like, uh, you know, we know they don't cure baldness in the future, right? (laughs) Um, We know they don't um, cure all mental illnesses uh, in the future. Uh, You know, so there, there are things that like they choose not to use genetic manipulation to take out of people. But there obviously are things that they have chosen are okay. So that, that to me, is fertile ground for even more um, cool Star Trek episodes to kind of explore the finer points of that topic. Absolutely. But a couple of, another Absolutely. Note, a couple of other notes that I thought were interesting is I took reference to this to Picard with the ban on androids. Yes. And eventual reprocess. But we're talking about how the negative views of people, how we get such a critical view of Illyrians. And yet we can look at Picard and we have the same issue with the androids because they feared what they could do. Well, and it's clear that, like, if you read anything about sociology and how humans behave and stuff, humans are fiercely tribal. Like, it's one of the reasons that we have a tendency to split apart into groups. It's one of the reasons that we have a tendency to, 
see people of different socioeconomic status different from ourselves or people of a different race as different from ourselves. We want to tribalize. It's like bred into us over tens of thousands of years. And so Star Trek yeah. doesn't shy away from that, right? It says, okay, nope. we're going to say people are still like that in the future. How do we deal with that? How does that play out in these stories we want to tell? Exactly. And yet we sit there and people say, oh, Star Trek's not political. Gee, that sounds very political to me. All right. Go ahead, Anna. I had a question. I just had a quick question. Absolutely. Where do they get the code and how are they defining some of these concepts in the Federation? I never picked up on some of that governing background in the shows I've watched or just missed the ones maybe that talked about it. Is there some um, universal, I, I, like, code, or do, does the Federation have one? And then, you know, the, I don't know, Khan tribe have another one, or how did they decide? And do they have, you know, similar separation of powers or courts? or Which, which I shows maybe give a background on that? Yeah. I don't know whose code, whose genetic code, Eric, whose genetic code do they use? Well, I think well, I, I don't think. I mean, I mean, even the legal code. I just right. need the legal code. Like, where are you looking for the legal code? Yeah, right. So I think the answer to that question in this case is that the Federation, United Federation of Plants, which was founded in 2267. So by the time that we get to... By the time that we get, or no, 2161, sorry, 2161 is when it was founded. By the time we get to TOS, it's, it's 2165, 20, or 2265, 2267. So it's already been around for 100 years or so. And to me, I've always thought that from TOS, they sort of took the general idea of the of the American constitution and that kind of like set of laws and the, the ideals that everybody's supposed to be equal and, and all that kind of stuff. And that was kind of the basis for what Roddenberry used for federation law. And so although we don't, although we don't have like a, you know, book of law (laughs) for the federation, we don't know all Mm -hmm. the rules throughout all the shows and movies and stuff. There are a lot of different references. There are a lot of different trials, um, court martials, you know, things that we see and they all kind of have similar philosophies in that they promote ideas of, um, civil rights, um, equity among people, you know, not moving well, indigenous species off their planets, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So to me, they always kind of like took the, the mistakes of our past and tried to say, okay, the feder- in the Federation of the future, they don't do that stuff anymore. And we're going to demonstrate that. Good answer, Eric. Good answer. Which is, yeah, thank which you. is why we hear about general, why we hear about general code number one, which is evolving into the prime directive. General order one, yeah. Yep. yep. That'll never last. That'll never stick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it when Pike says that. That's so great. <laughs> that is funny. What's the general what's that the general directive? General order one is the is the name of the prime directive prior to it being called the prime directive. And Pike when they say prime directive to him, he says, Oh, that name will never stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he makes fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course we're all laughing because we know it does. It does, right. <laughs> it does. So uh mm-hmm. guys, um 
I wanted to have some fun with Star Trek. And I found the perfect way to do it. As you guys know, we have an Enar engineer who's blind on uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And his name is Hemmer. And he's a really interesting, really fascinating character. And I really like him. So what I decided to do is have the Hemmer quote of the week. And I've decided to call it this. Stop. Hammer time. Every time you see me, my hammer's just so hype. I'm going for the floor and I'm magic on the mic. It's hammer time. And the hammer time quote of the night is this. Nonsense. The biofilters would have caught any contamination during transport. Unless it was something they weren't programmed to catch. Can't happen. They don't recognize it. They filter it out. What about the ion storm? Could that have interfered with it? No. I mean, it shouldn't have. And yet Mabenga's got four landing party members in sick bay. Anything else abnormal during transport you can think of? Besides a landing party's atoms almost getting mixed up into a puddle of bioorganic stew? No. I can sense that expression, you know. Oh, I know. You have to pull a lot of power to keep pattern stabilization. Could that have inhibited the biofilters? Not only are all the ship's transporters networked for emergency power distribution, the new system has discrete backups for biofilters and pattern stabilizers. I will run a level 5 diagnostic ship-wide to make you feel better, Commander. Thank you. Which, I might add, may well take all night. So I, I kind of like that whole uh, Hemmer interaction when he says, I can sense that look. And then he says, oh, I know. <laughs> I just love well, this. So every week I'm his... going to find the Hemmer quote of, this, of the episode <laughs> and play it for you guys. <laughs> I would have loved, you know, Jim, at first I thought you were going to just like stop it after he just says nonsense. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get my... the... No, the, no. The, the, I can sense the look thing. <laughs> I know. I totally love that whole quote was hilarious. And I love how salty he is. He's like, I'm so, and I'm so good at my job and I know it. And he's kind of like a Stamets, but a little less neurotic. Um, I love it. Yep. I love it. I love it. Yep. So every week we're going to have hammer time and I'll find a quote from that episode that I think is very hammerish and we'll play it during the hammer time quote. So that's our hammer time. Um, and so another thing I want to talk about, there's a scene where Mbega says, almost says the classic McCoy, I'm a doctor, not of whatever. But in this case, he just says plainly, I'm a doctor. So I entitled this clip, I'm a doctor. Your immune system literally burns out new infections immediately. Which means I have nothing left to synthesize an antidote from. So I'm protected, but I can't help anyone else. Perhaps if I was there at the moment you were infected, you better put me out. No, 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 wait. We'll come up with something. There's nothing to come up with. You're a Starfleet doctor. There's always something. You put a lot of faith in Starfleet. That must be hard. Starfleet is right about a lot of things, but not all of them. Not about us. If my blood... I understand. Prejudice has kept people from helping each other for centuries with no scientific justification. 
And after we met our neighbors in the galaxy, we found new bigotries. Human and broken blood. Now it's human and Alarian. In any case, they're meaningless to me. I am a physician. I beg you to help if you could. I, I love I love his line where he says, I'm a physician. I would beg you to help if you could. But the mm-hmm. thing that, about that clip that's even more is when Mbenga says, we found new bigotries in space. And if you think about it, in Star Trek, the human race has overcome that, right? We have equality and diversity mm-hmm. and, and, you know, acceptance on Earth. Yet when they go into space, they don't feel the same way about the Klingons, for instance, or the Romulans. Yeah, yeah and it's interesting, Jim, because, um, like, my philosophy on that is that, so we, the Earth, by the, when the Vulcans came down and revealed themselves to human beings um, as, as seen in First Contact, um, they come down to a planet that's been devastated by a nuclear war, right? And so, first of all, the people are... Um, not well fed. Uh, they're not comfortable. They're not in that kind of like standard sort of privileged position, right? They're all, they're all a little downtrodden. And what the, what the Vulcans bring is a knowledge for the first time, a knowledge that there's something outside of our planet. And in Star Trek, what that causes the, the planet to do is it causes the planet to go, Oh, okay. Uh, there's a whole like billions of planets out there in the galaxy. We better band together because we need to have a united front now as a planet instead of as countries. But it doesn't necessarily mean the biggest trees didn't exist. And that's exactly what they're saying here, right? We found new ones when we went out in the space. All of a sudden, okay, now we're united by us being humans. We don't care about color or country of origin or religion or any of that kind of stuff anymore. Now we only care if you're a different species. And we and we don't like that. So uh, it's fascinating to me that um, this. I feel like for the first time here, Star Trek is starting to acknowledge that the human race isn't perfect anymore, even in the utopian Federation future that we've all come to know and love from TOS and TNG and stuff. We're learning that maybe maybe there's some cracks in the armor, maybe there's some reality in there. It doesn't mean the utopian vision's not there. It just means that they're softening it with some reality, which to me just makes it more poignant. No, absolutely. And, and the fact that it's Una who, who is being an outcast because she's an Illyrian who's preaching about how wonderful Starfleet is and her, her, how much she upholds Starfleet and what they stand for. And, you know, you're a Starfleet doctor. You should be able to do something. And when Mbenga says, well, that must be hard for you, you know, here she is being one of the people that's being outcast by the same organization that she's preaching about you know well and she's living in secret which is a right. a story as old as time you know whether you're talking about um jews or other groups of people who have had to hide kind of in plain sight uh throughout different periods of time and history she's hiding in plain sight here i think that one of our um listeners uh made a comment about like why didn't starfleet catch this i think there was some line in here about how they can pass for human but man, wouldn't you think with all the tests and blood tests and stuff that she would eventually have been found out? I don't know. If you really well, break it I down nitty gritty, you would think so. <laughs> I had a conversation with Nate about this. And 
I, I, Nate went back and did all the research um, about this. I, being old, <laughs> I remember at some point in my lengthy Star Trek career that number one was an Illyrian. She was raised on an Illyrian colony, and at that point, back back then, that meant nothing to us. We didn't know what an Illyrian is. We we knew it was just a name they threw out there. Number one is intelligent and the way she is because she was raised on an Illyrian colony. And that was it, end of it. And uh, it was in some Star Trek technical manual or, or, or something. No, it was in a novel. It was a in no- a okay. Star Trek novel. Yeah, it was somewhere. It was, it was somewhere. And I remember reading it I, and I remember hearing it. So I knew she was an Illyrian because I remembered it. So it was. It wasn't a secret because we knew it. It just was a secret. Okay, what uh, is an Illyrian? Well, and and Jim, it's what? important that it was canonized, right? Because books as sources uh, for information canon. don't count as alpha canon, right? Like we, number one is not an Illyrian until they say it on screen on TV officially. Otherwise, you got to well, start counting all the books. Well, no, you see, but back back in the day. There was only TOS and TNG. That's all you right. had. So right. all these technical manuals that people wrote, and all you know, all these uh, Scotty's Guide to the Enterprise, and all these different things that were um, written at the time were not canon. But that's all we had. So right. I, I right. remember I that the technical manuals and stuff are different from novels. I mean, you yourself have talked about the pocket novels and how they, you know, went all over the place. So. I just like that they have finally made it official. Like they just and 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 for the first time they actually expanded on Illyrians, right? But like we, what was our what was our only source of knowledge about Illyrians before Jim, other than the novel? They just they was just a passing mention. A passing we, we mention didn't... in an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. They were a, a race yep. that that Jonathan Archer's ship ends up stealing a warp core from in in the episode Damaged. They don't look anything – this group of Illyrians in that episode don't look anything like Una, but that's okay because Illyrians genetically modify themselves to fit whatever planet they're on, right? So it's very possible yep. that one group of Illyrians could look totally different from another group of Illyrians, um, which I think is kind of a cool idea. And actually, from an environmental standpoint, I got the sense that Una was kind of proud of the fact that Illyrians modify themselves rather than modifying their environment. and. And I can see where that would generate some pride, right? Isn't that a better way to kind of like try and fit into your environment rather than just automatically wanting to dominate it? Kind of interesting. And if you look at the background, uh, Paul tried to pull some of those words out for us so that we could read them because he's got yeah. the ultra four case. But if you look at the pictures, they show a picture of a girl with webbed hands. Yep. So, so yeah, they're, they're, all Illyrians are not exactly the same. So, they, so Una could have been bred intentionally to appear and look and scan and act completely human, even though she's not. They could have, so that she could have fooled Starfleet, um, you know, medical exams and whatnot because she I mean, was bred that like- way. It, yeah. I was just about to say, like, if they can get it, genetically modify themselves, wouldn't they have the organs that would be exactly like humans? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that they could pass for human. 
Okay. Like, uh, uh, reference. Reference of it. The book called A Ch- Child of Two Worlds, released in 2015, is a reference to the Cage episode, and I believe it's the one discusses uh, number one's origin. All right. Well, there you have it. That book. See what they say. I knew yeah. I, I knew or, I read it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. I mean, I'm old, but I remember stuff like that. So, because when 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 they said it, I'm like, we already knew she was an Illyrian. I heard it somewhere, sometime, in my past. So, that must have been it. All right, guys. So, uh, this episode brings up some interesting interesting questions, and uh, one of them is when Una goes to turn in her command to Pike, and Pike says to her, you're an example to us, which is exactly what this clip is called. I've committed a federation offense. I'm resigning my commission and surrendering myself for disciplinary review. I only ask that my sincere desire to join Starfleet be taken into consideration. Rejected. I don't care where you come from. You're the best first officer in the fleet. Thank you, sir, but I feel obligated to point out that Starfleet does not allow... Elena, stop. Chris, that's kind, but I've broken a dozen regulations. I lied to get into Starfleet. According to Federation law, if you shelter me, they could come after you, too. I welcome that discussion. One thing became clear to me on Hedeman 9. Illyrians are severely misunderstood. Your actions in the crisis prove that again. Did my job, sir. No. You defy every stereotype the Federation has about Illyrians. You're an example to them. Yeah, you go, Pike. You go. So <laughs> that was um, so that scene right there. Okay, this was, and I'm going to use the word was, going to be my major nitpick for this episode, but. But um, Rebecca was on the ready room with Will Wheaton later on and said that they were going to come back and deal with that in a later episode. So I was like, okay, well, then there's no point in mentioning it. Because at that point, I was like, well, she, she lied. She, she's violated up-team laws. Uh, the crew is aware of it, and they're lying to cover up and protect her, and nothing's happening. And they're just going to fly away and end the episode and not deal with it. But then she she cleared it all up for me and said, they're going to deal with it in another episode. So I was like, okay, great. Wonderful. Cool. Uh, so I'm not going to worry about that. So this particular scene was, was great because here we have Pike standing up for Una the way Picard stood up for Data. He hasn't stood up for her yet because nothing's happened, but it's going to. And um, I think that's great. I mean, that shows a lot of the character of Pike and how he, supports his crew and stands up for his crew and Una that she trusts him enough to, to have her back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Charles? Um, Go ahead, Charles. It kind of shows you the Pike, a unique captain because 
he's not strict on federation rules to the T. He wants a little bit of leeway there so we can deal with issues like this. Why should I give up my great officer just because a little bit of her past that I don't agree upon being a problem? That I think makes him a unique captain in that sense. Uh, uh, have I told you that I love Pike? Have, have I mentioned that to anybody that I what? love Pike and he's my favorite captain? Have I said that at all? Because if I haven't, I want to say it again. <laughs> say yeah. it again. Yeah. Well, so, and and further to what Charles was just saying, like, um, so Pike is standing up for her um, in the, in the, like, f- for her true identity, like in, in a, in a very short 48-minute show or whatever this one was, we got a reveal of a secret identity. We got um, information on that secret identity being an illegal identity. And then we got uh, information on Una apologizing for having a secret identity that was illegal. And Pike just being like, um, no, Federation rules are dumb. You're a good officer. Let's just keep you here. So that to me is the absolute perfect example, perfect way to handle that situation. Um, she has shown herself to be a contributing member of this crew. She hasn't shown uh, so far anything that would cause them to think the opposite about her. The, my only criticism, this, it's funny that you should say that about this, this scene, Jim, because this was going to be my one scene that I criticized too, was I feel like this scene could, and maybe the whole episode, I'm not sure, should have been a little later in the season. I don't feel like they have established the character of Rebecca Romaine as number one enough to show how extraordinary she is. Like this is only the third episode, uh, a couple extras if you count Discovery and stuff, which I feel like that's more like the soft boot of it, right? You can't really count those because some people started watching with Strange New Worlds. So and they, short tracks. Don't forget short, well, track. Or short Trek. But you know that a lot of people who are kind of traditional Star Trek fans totally skipped Discovery and Short Treks and all that sort of stuff. And then when Strange New Worlds came out, they said, oh, here's the old school stuff. I'm going to watch this. So if you're that person, and this is only the third episode of Rebecca Romaine as number one you've seen, they haven't spent enough time with her character to establish her as the amazing person we know her to be because we've seen everything, right? We know her from the caves and from the Nazareth and from the books and all that because not everybody's there, right? So they need a little bit more time to establish, particularly this new actress, as that character before I can really believe Pike when he says, you defy every stereotype. Like, that's my only... When he says that, I'm like, okay, I get it, Pike. And at this point in the season, that feels like a little bit of a forced line to me. Um, but yeah, that's my only. I, that's my only criticism. Go ahead, David. I, I, I was going to say I kind of I I kind of understand what you're saying, but we also have to remember that um, they were together before Discovery even started. You know, they were going around exploring strange new worlds and all this stuff. So they probably had a history that, of course, we never actually got to see. But I can imagine him saying that, even though yes, it is a third episode. So just keep in mind that. I would say, yeah, I agree with what he said if they had a long history together. So, Yeah, yeah. It makes sense that in the but story it makes also, sense. It just doesn't make sense to the viewer. I guess that was my yeah, criticism. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to also say that 
Pike's line to her rubs off on a her on one of our future sound bites. Oh, yeah, we're not done. I've got more sound bites. <laughs> but we're not done. I'm just saying it's in a future sound bite we're coming to. Yeah, we've got some more. Uh, yeah, and I think you're right, David. Uh, when we when we see Enterprise at the end of Discovery uh, Season 1, Enterprise is suffering from massive system breakdowns because of the holographic interface that has been installed. And so Pike orders it removed. And while Una oversees that, he comes on the Discovery. So you're right. They, they did have a history together. They were together prior to Strange New Worlds. But also... To Eric's point, there's people out there that won't watch Discovery. They refuse to watch Discovery. They hate Discovery. So they wouldn't be privy to that. They would not know that. To them, they're turning this on, and this is the third time we've seen this character. Even though we know there's a history there, they might not. Except, Jim, the, the damage to the Enterprise was not due to the holographic projector. The damage was due to the Enterprise incident which you have to go to the books to understand. Right. Well, I really hope that they they, uh, come back to that incident, because that would be interesting to find out exactly what happened to make it canon. (laughs) Yeah, you never know what they're going to do. You never know. So uh, this next clip that I have is just a fun one that I wanted to play just because I kind of like the character and we haven't really seen much from her. And so uh, this was the only thing she had to do in this episode. Uh, this is this is Ortega's time. Ensign Lance, you all right? It's too dark in here. Okay, it's been a long day for all of us, but maybe this is something you should, you know, do in your own quarters. I need to feel the light on my skin. Whatever tweaks your freak, pal. What the hell are you doing? For taking the security, I need uh, 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 king. So there's two reasons I played that clip. One. <laughs> Because I like Ortegas and I wanted to get her on the show. Uh, but two, here we have our first red shirt making a mistake, although he did not die that we're aware of. This is the same guy on the planet in the beginning of the episode opens up the, um, the uh, cabinet, the dark cabinet. And when he opens up the cabinet, if you pay attention, there's yep. a, a vial. And there's a little, little twinkling, little like uh, foggy light type of smoke that comes out of the cabinet when he shines his flashlight in there. That's the red shirt that releases the virus that gets everybody sick. And I thought it was humorous that, yeah, he was a red shirt. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I thought it was really cool how they tied this into the cage. Because in the cage, when they beam down to the planet, they're wearing these flak jackets. In Strange New Worlds, they're wearing these black leather jackets with, with leather gloves, which, which was kind of a callback to what we see the away team wear in the cage, and I thought that was cool. So those are the reasons why I played that clip. Um, anybody wants to talk to anything about that clip? Yes. Yes, I want to throw in something interesting and a further clip that you don't have in our set, but I thought it was interesting. 
is when Hammer goes in and says, okay, we're going to backup power. We've never seen the results of backup power before. Yet, but yet we see them walking in the hallway. The lights flicker and then come back on. It's like, oh, we actually see the backup generators going on, which we've never seen in an episode before. I've never seen nope. a power shift when they're saying they're going auxiliary power. And there's another thing that I, I couldn't get in a clip because it was it was more visual. But when, when Una orders the ship on lockdown, what does Hammer do? He Hammer snaps his fingers. snaps his fingers, and his crew immediately jumps to action and goes to their action station. He doesn't have yeah. to say anything. He just snaps his finger, and they know what to do. And I thought that was that was a great character moment for him to show just how yeah. how honed in he is with his engineering crew. I thought that was great. And there was no way for but, me to get that in a clip because it's visual. Yeah. Um, about that, you know, aren't they like highly telepathic? So maybe he could have like told everybody to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are. I liked that idea that he just kind of had them trained like dogs though. It seems like a thing that Hemmer would do. Right. <laughs> he would just, yeah, kind of, when like, I snap my finger, you do this. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, so, done no bay, I'm gonna grab the hammer. Yep, yeah, one thing the I hammer. wanted to mention about this particular clip that you just played uh, that I thought was kind of cool was to me, Ortega's was totally ready to kind of leave this guy alone and let him do his thing. Right here's this guy <laughs> standing in the hallway without any pants on, soaking in some light, and uh, and she was just kind of like, well, this is sort of weird, but okay, and she was ready to walk on by until he slammed his head through the glass so to me that's just another kind of moment where we're seeing this this newer version of star trek just being accepting of whatever people feel like they need to do to keep themselves happy (laughs) yep yep now this next clip that i want to play yep go ahead anna oh i'm sorry the and i'm not pronouncing it the allurian is that how you say it yeah allurian they're telepathic. They're really no, the telepathic. Enar. No, we're talking about the Enar, um, the uh, the guy who's not an Andorian but looks like an Andorian on the Enterprise. He's the chief engineer, and he's an Enar, and he's telepathic. So we were supposing that um, when he snaps his fingers, it's either that his staff is well-trained or that he sent them a message telepathically and told them to, let's get to work right now. <laughs> so the Enar, the Enar people tend to be telepathic. Yeah, in yes. fact, it, yes. if you watch the Star Trek okay. Enterprise episodes that include those characters, you learn that they're, they use that race, the Romulans actually use that race of, of people to, um, to have spaceships that have this sort of predictive flight so they can, they can predict mm-hmm. what other people are going to do so they become oh, excellent wow. fighters. It's actually a really cool couple of episodes. It's an incredibly detailed history, detailed, comprehensive fictional history and it's yes. more detailed yes. than <laughs> what you call real history pretty phenomenal that's the thing years. that attracted me to star trek <laughs> in the first place you can sit down and watch mm-hmm. it and just to enjoy it or you can dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and and find out all these little facts and all these little mm-hmm. things if you choose to it, it's all a matter well, of how deep. you know it's fun yeah. and it's just so specific you know and like the first contact I just looked up, and I guess it happens at a very specific date. 
So anyway, it's it's quite a mastery of to, you know you could just study Star Trek. I had no idea just the detail and how how much product there has been from so many people. Anyway, I'm. It's true. Your newer it's true. listener. So. Actually, if you're ever curious, there's a website out there called Memory Alpha. And mm-hmm. they are sort of the historians of Star Trek. And that thing is so detailed. And we've learned yeah, from these episodes. When an episode comes out and Memory Alpha gets updated. Yeah, so I use them a lot. They always are popping history. up on Google, maybe one of the first stints. It's better than a lot of, yeah. you know, what you call real history books or, you know, storylines. But the yep, nice thing is, but these writers have access to really detailed, I think, journals that they keep okay. all these histories. And I think they've been doing a lot of studying of past track. Oh, yeah. Maybe even looking for years. It's like a network of volunteers almost have yeah. committed Absolutely. to the project. It's really incredible. So anyway, thank yeah. you so much. I'm really getting an education out of this. And I've always been fascinated by Star Trek. So There's a lot to soak in. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So uh, this next clip that I have for you guys, we already touched on, but I, I liked it, and that's why I played it. And this clip is called, Does That Thing Have a Stun? So you already know the clip. So uh, let's give it a listen. Does that thing have a setting for stun? I'm arming us with knowledge. So there you have it. I loved that. <laughs> that whole interaction. <laughs> it's like... Um, That's what Spock does, it's, it's perfect. I mean, there's these these creatures, these ghosts of Illyria beating down the door, and there's there's Pike with his phaser on stun, and Spock is reading journals, and he looks over mm-hmm. at him and says, "Does that thing have a stun?" And Spock says, "I'm arming us yep. with knowledge." Perfect. I just, yep. you know, I liked that scene. Well, I liked that interaction. I wanted to play it for you guys. <laughs> Another scene that Thank I loved you. with those two was when they're out there and getting trans, waiting to get transported and it doesn't work. And Pike kind of looks at Spock to kind of like, what do we need to do? And Spock looks at him, run. Yep. That was like the classic yep. Doctor Who moment right there. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they yeah. said run, I thought of you, Charles, and I was like, oh, it's the Doctor Who moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, My question. I really was, like what. Um, Go ahead, David. I was just wondering, like, when he said run, where were they running to? Were they running into the building, or were they into the building? But but it was clear yeah. that the building was going to provide no protection against the ion storm. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> uh, that's right. Okay. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen it. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I've got I've got another clip here that I want to play for you guys, and I've entitled it "Hide It." You pack one hell of a punch, Lieutenant. Thank you. That wasn't a compliment. What's the penalty for striking a superior officer? Can't seem to remember. Thanks. 
I mean, we're friends, right? Do you want me to tell you it was just a sickness talking? I don't know. Was it? Yes. And also, no. All my life, I've hated augments. Hated what, what people thought of me because I was related to them. Understanding why they were outlawed in the Federation, the damage they did. They almost destroyed Earth. The augments, yes, but not us. My people were never motivated by domination. Illyrians seek collaboration with nature. By bioengineering our bodies, we adapt to naturally existing habitats. Instead of terraforming planets, we modify ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you believe, why do you hide it? Why hide it from me? I've been hiding it from a lot of people. So I think Eric pretty much already touched on the theme of that particular clip. Um, but, but yeah, the difference between the augments and the Illyrians is, is exactly that. The augments were genetically engineered to dominate, to conquer. And the Illyrians, if they were on a water planet, they genetically engineered themselves to have gills and, and webbed fingers because the planet, that's what the planet demanded of them to live there. So it's a, slightly different type of a thing so that's i just wanted to play that clip yeah even though eric touched on it already (laughs) yeah and you know remember that the augments weren't like designed to be conquerors but they had but they had these tendencies and i think that that is was kind of one of the interesting things that i always thought um when going back and watching things like space seed because in the 60s we didn't have a very good understanding of DNA or genetics or, you know, genetic manipulation was sort of a theory, but we didn't have the, the actual means to do it. Nowadays, we have tools like CRISPR and other things that actually allow us to physically splice genes together. We can do the stuff that they're talking about uh, in the eugenics wars here. And um, so here we are with a series that like started covering this topic <laughs> back in the sixties. Now we have the technology to do it. Um, should not Star Trek be required watching for all scientists these days? I feel like it should be. For yeah. everyone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> for everyone, right. Totally agree. It's yeah. totally more and more cool. of a reality, it seems. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Well, and I'm a total believer that, um, well, yeah, and, and it's clear that like art makes reality, right? We, you have to imagine something before you can make it a reality. And so that's what human beings do. We think about our future. We think about realities and how we can shape them. And then those become true. So that's why it's so important to do things like rely on the utopian nature of Star Trek and stuff. Because if we, if we strive toward that type of future, then we'll be okay. Well, yeah. let's remember what happened to transparent aluminum. <laughs> we could use yeah without transparent aluminum. That's <laughs> 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 true. All right, like, guys, I've got one more clip for you guys, and uh, this mm-hmm. this clip I've entitled "I'm Good at My Job." It's okay. It's okay. We got an antidote. Lon tried to jump into the warp core while the containment field was down. As I was stopping her, she got a bad dose of radiation, and so did I. Apparently, my body cured both of us before I re-engaged the field. Lon is not an Illyrian. 
Her proximity to the commander created chimeric antibodies in her system. And I was able to synthesize them into a cure before they set. Don't thank me. I know I'm good at my job. Everyone here was in their life. So I had to play that clip because I had to get my nurse chapel fix into the podcast as well because I just love <laughs> Jess Bush's uh, portrayal of chapel and that mm-hmm. scene where she says, I know I'm good at my job. I just, I liked it. So I, I played it for you guys. Well, and <laughs> so that, that scene it. had a very satisfying level of Trekno babble in it as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it. So, sometimes I just play a scene for no other reason. Then I liked it, and I, yeah. I liked that one. So I don't know what I, a, I don't know what a chimeric antibody is, but I'm all about it. But it worked. It, it sounded good, didn't it? It, it was. Got real. It was a, no, I looked it up. It's not yet real, but it will be one day. It's the Heisenberg oh, compensators. Nice. They're making up for it. So. Oh my god, that's my favorite. That's my favorite ah. of all time. All right, guys. So Eric, let's go back to what did our fans. Give this episode. Our fan score was a nine. Our fan score was a nine, which is, uh, I and I misspoke at the beginning, so our very first uh, episode uh, was over nine, but then our last episode that we reviewed was only an 8.8, so I actually liked this one a little bit better than last week. Yeah. So let's start off with David. David, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best, how close are you to our fans? Well, put down uh, the donut. Step away from the donut, uh, David. No, <laughs> no. Um, okay, how about this? Uh, I'll keep my donut. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm just... <laughs> he loves donuts. Okay, <laughs> I see. So um, I'm giving this one a nine. For the week, I know my past were ten, but um, the only thing I really didn't like about this episode was that it kind of—I don't know—it was a, a little slow for some reason for me. It, like I felt like it just kept dragging on. Not that I'm saying it's bad. I mean, there was a lot of information in there. I just thought it was a little slow, and uh, I don't know. I was a little surprised that Una was an Illyrian, but and, you know, Star Trek, so. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm going to go with the nine. That's that's very respectable. Very respectable. And Charles, how about you? One to ten. Well, we forgot one thing that I thought we were going to bring up and we didn't. And that was Una's discussion with Mbega. And I thought that she picked up from Pike that, okay, if Pike can forgive me, then she can forgive him and help him out. And we found out about his daughter. And that's an interesting detail about him and his daughter. And I'm curious where that will take us one day. That's a possible episode tie-in, which is why I like this episodic, but we're keeping some of the serial stuff together which is why we could sit there and jump in and say, okay, Una's Illyrium next week. We're not worried about it. No, next week it's still on the table, which I like how they're doing that with the series. 
Um, with everything they did with his episode, I'm going to tie it with last week and go with a 9.2 again. Also very respectable. So, so far, we're right there with the fans. All right. How about you, Eric? Uh, really good episode. I agree with Charles. I kind of like the, you know, episodic, and yet there is some serial stuff in there. It feels a lot like Enterprise in that way to me because Enterprise did the same thing. And uh, as you know, I'm a big Enterprise fan. They're developing the characters uh, one episode at a time, which is pretty cool. I wonder if you're going to want to go back and watch these out of order. Like, will, will this be comfort TV in the future? You know, 10 years from now, will you go back and watch episode eight of Strange New Worlds randomly because it was a really good episode? Um, it waits to be seen. But uh, I gave the first episode a 9.5. I, I knocked it down last week. I'm going to knock this one down just a tiny, tiny bit from uh, last week. But I, I'm still going to give it a very respectable 8.6. Um, there were just a couple of things, like I said, I felt like they could have done some of the Una stuff maybe a little later in the series just to kind of make it a little more believable, but um, still high praise, good episode. Well, I was going to give this episode a much, much lower score, but, but there's a big but here. First of all, Rebecca cleared up my whole problem with the Illyrian thing on Strange New World, on uh, the Ready Room with Will Wheaton. So mm-hmm. that, that, that problem just went right away. So that, that's not an issue anymore. The other thing that I was going to mention, I, I went back and watched the episode three times, and I caught it. First thing was, how did La'an know that Una was an Illyrian? She never told her. And how did Chapel get the chimeric antibodies from La'an when she's unconscious on the floor in the sick bay? And on my third viewing... It was like a little light bulb went on in my head and went, ping! Oh, you old senile fool. That's what happened. So when when Una is telling uh, Mbenga, I'm an Illyrian, can't use, use my blood to save it, blah, 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 and Chapel goes in the other room to sedate the people, La'an pops up on the table behind her and obviously knocks her unconscious, runs down to jump in the warp core, and then Una goes after her to have that big fight. Obviously, Chapel wakes up at, at, while that fight is going on, goes down to engineering, and gets the chimeric sample from La'an's blood. That whole sequence bothered me the first time I saw it because it made no sense. My third viewing completely understood it. So I'm, I'm going to go with a 9.4 on this episode. I really, really Can I enjoyed it. my number? <laughs> yes, you can change your number. You're the only one who can get genetic modifier. If, if everyone can do it, why are the Illyrians the only ones who, I guess, want to do it? Or is their genetic more applicable to being able to do modification? No, I think the the idea is that the Federation outlawed genetic manipulation because of the eugenics wars, and the Illyrians are not part of the Federation. They're out there in space doing their okay. own thing, and so, they, so their be, laws okay. are totally different from Federation laws. But in this episode, okay. they, they mention that the Illyrians want to be part of the Federation. Yeah, no, no. So no, they're, what they they're trying to... No, Jim, 
be careful. What they mention is that a small group of Illyrians on this one planet want to become, and that is why this small group of Illyrians went to try and undo their genetic modifications, which is how their spirits or whatever got melded with the ghosts of Illyria, which is what they, I mean, we didn't get into that, but like those creatures that we saw that look like fire, yeah. those were supposed to be like the spirits of the colonists who had undone their genetic modification, who had then gotten hit by an ion storm. I mean, that was, that was kind of like what I, what I got out of that. So it's just this one group of Illyrians who was trying to undo their thing. Yeah, that was, they that may not be spirits. Look at when Jordy went down to that one planet was turning into a creature from the planet. Oh my god. You want to talk and like the evolution evolved. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That was right. really evolved into what they were. Yeah. Yeah. To survive the planet. Yeah, we yeah. don't really they they never really um explained or got into the, the, the ghosts of Illyria. Um, not, not too much. I mean, there's, there's a couple, once you, I mean, you've known Jim, you watched the episode three times, but there are a few lines in there. But what I'm noticing about this series is that they're just using the story and the, and the um, kind of uh, ancillary characters to tell fun stories. But really their goal here is to develop our characters and to show us a different character at the end of every episode. So, so to me, <laughs> I love it because this is insidious Star Trek. Everybody thinks they're watching TOS right now, but they're not. They're actually watching Discovery. They just don't even know it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. <laughs> that's, that's, that is very true. That's and absolutely Jim, true. Before you break away, we should ask our guest what her score is. Yeah, oh, I, I, I know. I don't what we, what, my score is wah 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 because I haven't watched it because I I'm sad and been moving this week, so that's a good excuse. I just it it's well and it's it's a sad excuse and then the week before that it was another excuse you know so but I am gonna have a schedule I have very little space now so I don't have a lot of stuff to distract me. I'm really psyched about. My new situation. I'm just gonna do, you know, fun intellectual stuff every day, basically. Instead uh, of my spoiler alert. <laughs> well, yeah, spoil, we, I guess we should have we spoiled the whole thing for you. My <laughs> live in a closet. No, it's it's just um, it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to listen in. I'm learning so much, and I I really am looking forward to watching all of the shows. Time just flies way too fast, but. And I have a, a little one here who I'm getting into Star Trek. So when we spend time together and watch shows, we can watch them together. So it's perfect because we can spend that's, time together. So that's all excellent. Plans. <laughs> well, well, guys, guess what time it is? That 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 love that pretty ladies whispering in my ear that we have 90 seconds left. So no, now, now we're down to 60. Oh, so uh, I definitely want to say thank travel. you. Uh, so much to Ray from the Bronx for calling us. We love to hear from Ray. And of course, thank you to Anna from Portland for hanging out with us tonight. Thank it's you, Anna. Pleasure. Thank you so much for making me feel well. It really means oh, a lot. It means you're, thank you're you always welcome. <laughs> thank you. You're always welcome. And of course, we want to thank say thank you to the donut man himself, David. Thank you so much, David, for hanging out and <laughs> talking with us. <laughs> 
Oh, so good to have a nickname. Your identity yep, is you're, established. Yep, you're, you're the donut man. Paul's the wine guy. Okay. Um, it, it's like it's like Top Gun when you you get you got to get your name, you know. Yeah. And, At least he's not calling you Goose. Yeah, Goose. And of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. Oh, I had a blast as always. And we still had two other Portlanders. Thank you, Anna, for filling out the Portland crew. I know. You still had the trifecta. We did. We did. (laughs) And uh, it would have been, what is it, a a hat trick in in, uh, hockey if you get four? Yes, a hat trick. It's a Portland hat trick. It's a Portland hat trick. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. So much Trek to talk about. Lots of Trek. So little time. Lots of Trek. And uh, I just want to say one more time, guys, there will not be a Trek talking to on Monday because of Memorial Day. We'll be back the following Monday where we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard Season 2. So check that out. Next Thursday, we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know the name of the episode, but the episode that's on tonight, Episode 4, we're going to be talking about that next Thursday, same bat time. Same bat channel. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage.